The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Wing Chun Illustrated is the premier publication for Wing Chun. Published six times a year, Wing Chun Illustrated is a perfect bound, full-color, glossy publication. Each 60-page issue comes packed with in-depth content and feature stories by and about the world's greatest exponents of Wing Chun, regardless of lineage or style. Wing Chun Illustrated has featured people like Imin Bostepe, Philip Bayer, Yip Chun, Gary Lam, Donald Mack, Samuel Kwok, David Peterson, Chan Chi Man, Mark Phillips, Wan Kam Leung, Sam Lau, Robert Chu, Sifu Sergio, Victor Ken, and many, many more. There are two ways you can enjoy this fantastic publication. Go to wingchunillustrated.com and order the magazine as a print-on-demand. The print quality is simply amazing. Or download the Magster app and get a subscription. That's Magster, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. This way, when the new issue hits the stands, you'll automatically receive it as a download onto your smart device for offline reading. In fact, with your new Magster account, you can access the magazine on multiple devices, iOS, Android, Kindle Fire, and web browser. To make the deal even sweeter, listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast can use the coupon code DUDES to get a six-month complimentary digital subscription. That coupon code is DUDES, typed in all capital letters. Go to Magster, again M-A-G-Z-T-E-R, to register, add the six-month subscription to the cart, and apply the coupon code at checkout. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Hey all, so this episode was recorded a couple months ago, and my computer crashed. So we wanted to just, uh, we recovered it, finally, it took us a couple months, and uh, we wanted to just throw it out there for you folks, to, because uh, I know you've been missing the dudes, and also for our Patreon supporters, you got this episode's out for public, and we just uploaded tonight a Patreon episode that won't be released to the public for another three or four days. So, uh, you guys have double, double the, double the, the uh, pleasure this week. Talk to you soon and enjoy. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. For some reason, I have a headache this this week, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Oh, yes, I can. The dickhead's sitting next to me today. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a rare treat for those of you who follow the podcast. You know, Sean and I actually don't record them in the same room, believe it or not. We are usually in opposing boroughs, right? You're all the way in Staten Island. I'm all the way in Queens. Right. Well, see, there's, there's a big problem when Alex and I get together to record. We have to find a place that's big enough for my fat ass and his ego. <laughs> and there's very few places except your kitchen. <laughs> your kitchen apparently is the only place that can house both of those things at the same time. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. But it, you know, it is fun when we get together. It's a little bit of a, a different dynamic to the podcast, and a little bit of a we have a, we have a lot of fun uh, playing off each other and. That's right. So this is the rare podcast where we're in the same room together doing, I think, our, our pilot episode and then the live one we did at the school. And then did we ever do any other episode where we were together? Yeah, we did one here. We did another one here, right? So, yeah, this is like <coughs> one one out of four episodes where we're in the same room. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty scary, actually. Yeah, it's, Alex is under a mistaken impression that I'll make fun of him less 
with him sitting close <laughs> enough to punch me. And uh, that's actually, I, I've always wanted to be punched by Alex, so <laughs> it's actually enticing me to make fun of him even more. Well, you, you know, I, I probably am a lot more defenseless against your insults because of the sheer amount of time it took me to get here to Staten Island <laughs> with the Sherpas and everything, getting over the water and swimming. And this, this is why we moved to Staten Island. <laughs> you, have, you have your school on like the fourth and fifth That's floor. That's right. So that people will be too tired to fight you when That's you get right. up there. And I moved to Staten Island. And you live so, in Timbuktu. And I live <laughs> in Timbuktu where you have to take, you know... A helicopter over over the uh, the jungle into the. <laughs> That's right. I have to be air dropped in and then through the slide. Yeah, it's a, it's a real real process to get here. And and what was nice is he actually brought me a chia pet. Well, I thought he brought me a chia pet, but it turned out to be his new haircut. <laughs> I swear to God, folks, it's, it's amazing the fucking shit that he walks in with on his, his hair. <laughs> this is. This is actually me with, uh, so my wife has been gone now for two days, and this is me, like, in that disheveled state where I'm just like, okay, um, you know, I just throw on whatever. I don't have to worry about looking good for anybody, and certainly I won't worry about looking good for you. So. <laughs> what Alex considers his disheveled state is just he has less product on his hair. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, did, yes. Did you hear that, um, looks like our boy McGregor is coming back. Uh, he well, least, at least he's rumors. not going to jail. He, he was actually in New York this week. He right. had to plead guilty or whatever it is so he wouldn't have any jail time or something like that, right? Fucking idiot. I mean, I love Conor McGregor, and I'm glad he's not going to jail. But some things are still bothering me about this whole thing. You know, yeah. some guys on that bus, I don't know what kind of restitution he had to make to the guys that at least missed fights that night. Yeah. But, you know, not everybody, not all these fighters live the life that Conor McGregor sure. lives. And these guys, you know, they count on that money. Well, to obviously, none of them live right. The life this is true. And those fighters, they, they they count on that money to you know pay their mortgages, support their families. Right. You know, it's like buy their their, their drugs. I mean, this is you know. Uh, I I read though part of the reason why the judge was lenient on Connor, not just because he pleaded guilty and he still do community <clears throat> service. Is because apparently the bus driver was goading him on. Did you hear about that? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, so apparently that has something to do with the fact that the judge was so lenient on him and basically, you know, so he's not going to have any kind of conviction or anything like that on his record because apparently, and of course, this doesn't excuse Connor's behavior. Right, right, of course. But apparently the bus driver had some hand in kind of like goading him on into it. Fucking idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking, I swear to God, you know, the world's just made up of idiots and all except me. (laughs) <laughs> You're the only one that knows what's up. <laughs> well, and just to just to make my life even more aggravating, my dog now officially likes Alex more than my dog likes me. It's fucking so frustrating. <laughs> I just had to put that out there. It's like my dog can't stand me as it is. Alex comes walking in, and it's like you know, it's like my dog is like a 16 year old girl, and Alex is Justin Bieber. It's amazing. <laughs> Which is funny because I'm not really like a pet. I don't have any pets. I never had any pets growing up, and I like dogs. I'm not a cat fan at all like I really can't stand cats which is funny because my uh, so my my public social media basically Facebook my Facebook page my Instagram is handled by my social media manager who knows that I really hate cats so she will use my public social media account to like cat photos left and right <laughs> so like when I'm going down my feed it'll be like Sifu Alex Richter likes edits cat photo on top of cat photo and I'm like, oh, and she's doing it on purpose. That's funny. So that there's like a misleading digital footprint of me yeah. out there. Like, oh, yeah, well, everyone, he must have loved cats. <laughs> it's not even me. 
that's funny. I do, I do the same thing with Asian porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you mean your social media manager does it, right? Just to make it seem like, yeah, I'm not into that stuff at all. <laughs> do you remember that episode of um, The King of Queens? When, remember, his, his, his brother and, and his the friend they're on the show, uh-huh. and he's he's convinced his TiVo thinks he's gay, because <laughs> <laughs> he watched like he watched like like ice dancing or something. Oh man! So, so of course. so TiVo thought he was gay and starts suggesting all these gay programming to him, <laughs> which I just thought was hysterically funny. Boss Rutten was on that show a few times because apparently he's like tight with Kevin James. At least Kevin James is uh, coach. I mean, Kevin That's James right. with him. Yeah. You know, uh, if um, you ever see Kevin James, wears the shirt? He wears a Boss Rutten shirt all the time. Yeah, apparently he's like pretty good too. Yeah. He's got some skills. Um, but I, I tweeted out to Boss Rutten earlier in the week because last week in Queens, I saw a guy in Astoria who looked exactly like... That guy did look like Boss Rutten. Yeah, I mean, he was like... He was a strong dude. I mean, he wasn't like built the way Boss is, but like when you when I looked at him from across the room, I told him, I said, hey, look, there's Boss over there. She's like, oh, really? I'm like, no, no, no. It's just some dude who looks like him. I took a photo of him. I posted it. I, I put like as bo- uh, at, at, uh, at Boss Rutten MMA. I go, I found his doppelganger in Queens. And Boss tweeted back to me. He's like, yeah, like a lot of people have sent him dudes who look like this guy really looks like him. <laughs> and then just by having that reply with Boss, my Twitter was like blowing up for a week. Wow. Just that's like funny. people retweeting and going back and forth. It's amazing. Right? That's it's really, really amazing. cool. That's really cool. And also Josh Barnett, the MMA fighter. Yeah. Also uh, tweeted at me because I I uh, I had met, made a mention. I had a weird dream with him, and I had a dream that I was talking about kung fu films with him, discussing like whether Five Deadly Venoms was better than Crippled Avengers. And the reason I had that dream was because two years ago, Lo Mong from Five Deadly Venoms was in California, and he went to Cold Steel. You know the guys who make the right. knives. And Josh Barnett uh, commented on the photo of Lo Mong and knew all this stuff about kung fu movies and I would never like peg him for like a dude who knew like he oh yeah he's like oh Lomong's in Crippled Avengers and Five Deadly Venoms and all that kind of stuff so like I just had a dream I was discussing this with him and then I tweeted out and he was like he's like oh yeah Five Deadly Venoms is way better than Crippled Avengers and like wow. it was amazing so it was like my week of like tweeting back and forth I, I just wanted on record that he dreams of Josh Barnett and I dream of Paige Van Zandt it's just just a little <laughs> bit different <laughs> Speaking of Paige Van Zandt, did you see the photo she posted above her arm? Uh, no, well, oh, I do man, know she had some kind of physical enhancement. This, this chick is a warrior. No, you know what? I'm not even going to go she, there she with bro- her. She broke her arm, She right? broke her arm, and she had surgery, and the surgery didn't go well, so they had to go back in. Holy and, man, she posted this picture of her arm like... Like, it, you could tell this was a major surgery. It was right. really nasty. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and yeah, she had some physical in here. Some listen, dudes. I know everybody likes women. I like women. I know everybody likes everyone. Uh, you know, likes women. Everybody Even likes women. your pretty women. Yeah, well, listen, here in New York, they don't. But you got to get over the fact that Paige Van Zandt had breast enhancement and show a little bit of respect as a fighter on on Instagram, because if you were in front of her. Sorry, she kicked the shit out of you for some of the <laughs> shit you post on her Instagram page. It's really, I mean, it's really bad. I mean, oh, listen, yeah, I, I, it's I, I really don't follow bad. her. My, my wife knows, knows who she is because of Dancing with the Stars. Right, well, I mean, I, I follow her because, hey, she's pretty and I like to look at her. Yes. But, like, so every post, every picture she puts up with, every picture that she posts, there's got to be 250 guys posting that she has new tits. It's like, it's ridiculous. Oh, geez, ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And like you know what, show her the respect as a fighter. Right. 
they're like, hey, she can kick the shit in a fucking husband or boyfriend, whoever he is, the guy in the picture, he's a fighter also. Yeah. He yeah. would destroy anybody too. Right. It's like, I don't know. It's just like, okay, yeah, the first time she posted, all right, yeah, okay, let's let's get everybody together. But it's every post that this girl makes. Right, right, right. They got It's 250 morons. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, the whole, like, again, the break. whole social media culture and Instagram and, and everything, it's like, um, there are people who've, like, like celebrities who've quit social media because right. of the comments and all the stuff that's on there. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really incredible. Like, um, so we did like that Shiggy dance challenge at the right, school. Right, which was awesome. And we posted it, right? And, and we had a lot of views on it. And we had something like 35 comments, which is like a lot for our Instagram, yeah. right? And like 90% of the people like wrote like really great stuff. And there was still like just these a bunch of randoms just wrote like weird right. like oddly aggressive kind of stuff and and like of course you go and click who's this guy private account right, private right, account right, and it's right, like right. you know yeah it's it's just really strange because people can basically say what they want in a relatively consequence free environment sure, which is sure. not e- e- even though the internet and social media has been around for a while I still grew up in a time period where, like, if you said some shit about somebody, right. People there could be consequences you. and repercussions for that, right? And now it's like, no, you just, you can block them, you can do it from a private account. And and I can't imagine, like, the intense scrutiny that somebody like a Paige Van Zant or somebody like that must have. Right. Like, just with those, like, you have to turn that stuff off. It's right, crazy. it's got it's to be, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. But just like, you know, listen... Like, I know, listen, I follow her just the reason everybody else follows her. She's a pretty girl who does MMA. I'm not going to lie, but to, 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 the, the, the comment is just ridiculous. Show the girl respect. She earned your respect. She gets in the cage and fights. She's more man than you are. Right, <laughs> you know what right, I mean? right, right. Like, Speaking of social media backlash, have you heard about the proposed remake of Enter the Dragon? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I, 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 you, you mentioned it to me in a text earlier. But uh, I haven't. I don't know anything of the story or anything. Well, it, it's kind of weird because like um, remakes are a weird thing. Like, h- how often has there ever been a remake of a classic movie where you were like, "Wow, I'm so happy that they did that." Right. Because oh, that's yeah. really like. The, I think the only times that remakes were successful were like the original one was just super, super, super old and dated. Like people forget, and I even forgot that Scarface was a remake. But the original one came out in like 1930. Right. Like so, so most people don't think of the, the Scarface as a remake. Same thing with like Twelve Monkeys was a remake of some movie from the 60s. And but stuff. a good remake, Karate Kid on YouTube. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Yeah, but that's not really a remake. It's right, kind of right, a continuation. Right? That's true. Yeah. And and but but like when it comes to classic films, now here's the thing about Enter the Dragon. It doesn't have a great script it's not like the story is so compelling right it's essentially a doctor no ripoff yeah and it's like if you plug and play other people it it's not the same the reason that movie was great was because of bruce lee look fist of fury uh big boss uh way of the dragon enter enter the dragon look at these movies on their own put anybody else in there put an all-star cast in there you don't have the same movie. Right. The, the the movies weren't great because of the director. They weren't great because of the co-stars. They were great because of Bruce Lee. Right. And so now, who are you going to put in to fill those shoes? And 
are you really going to tell the same exact story again? Are you going to have some, like, modern... Like, there's no reason why Enter the Dragon needs to be remade. You right. can leave that one alone. If anything, remake Game of Death, because that death. one was never actually really done. Right, 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 And, and sure. so, you know, uh, that one I would like to see, but Enter the Dragon, no way, man. Since you're yeah. a Bruce Lee expert, you just said something that confused me a little bit, and I should know the answer to this, but no. I, I just, I don't. So, and I know there's a story, uh-huh. okay? Um... I remember as a kid yes. going to the movies to see the double feature, mm-hmm. and I remember it was. What's the Bruce Lee movies again that you just said? Uh, Big Boss, Fist of Fury. Fist of, okay. So I remember going to the double, the double feature, Fist of Fury and The Chinese Connection. Like yes, that was, the titles were switched. Okay, so yes. that's what I'm talking about. What titles? Yeah, so, were, so apparently, for, for the um, American or international release, when they sent them out, so I heard, of course I could be wrong, and there's certainly people out there who are more kind of movie geek experts than I am, that they were actually, it was actually mislabeled. Really? Because Fists of Fury, I remember too when I was a kid, the VHS, the movie that was Fists of Fury is actually Big Boss, the Big Boss. Right, right. And um, the, the movie that was Fists of Fury was Chinese Connection. Okay. Okay. Now, the reason why that happened, first of all, I heard that there was actually a switch. It was a mislabeling. Big Boss got sent as Fist of Fury. Fury. So got that label. They, they didn't, obviously, since they didn't have the proper title for Fist of Fury, they decided to name it The Chinese Connection because the movie The French the Connection, Connection was so successful. That makes so, perfect so, and, sense. And that's just the international title because uh, the, the Chinese title for Fist of Fury, the first movie, is... Which is literally, is like it's like older brother from Tong Mountain, <laughs> but like it's, it's like the Chinese old. It, it's kind of like the Chinese big boss because they were in Thailand, so it was like the Chinese boss in Thailand, and then um, Fist of Fury. The Chinese can uh, uh, well first the Chinese title of Fist of Fury is not Fist of Fury at all. It's actually Ting Mo Moon. Jing Mo Moon? Jing Mo Moon is the name. So, Bruce Lee, you know, his master is killed by the Japanese. Right, right, right. Jing Mo Moon is the name of their school. Oh, okay. And that was actually the name of a real school that was developed in Shanghai. Because it's a semi-fictional story. It's based on some real people, although the story is not true. Right. So, but the, the, the Chinese title and the English title were not the same. But then that further got confused by the fact that they got they changed it to Chinese Connection anyway. Right, right, right. And right. then Enter the Dragon was such a big hit. Way of the Dragon had not been released yet to the Western audience. Right. So when they released it, they made the title Return, Return of, the of the Dragon, Dragon. to make it seem like it was some kind of sequel to Enter the Dragon, right, although sure. it actually came out before. And the Chinese title of Way of the Dragon is also not Way of the Dragon. It's Manglong Guokong. Manglong Guokong means the fierce tiger crosses the sea. Because, you know, he goes from Hong Kong to Italy, Italy, right? Right, right, And that's why the beginning is like the boat going over the water. Right, right, would have been an awesome title. And and you see, it's the boat is a dragon. And that is the dragon crossing the sea. That's badass. That is the Chinese title. And as a matter of fact, um, the Chinese, because Chinese are very insular, like they they wouldn't they didn't like to leave China, and that's why when they did leave China they created Chinatowns because they they're like a very tight knit community and they don't like to leave like the other Chinese. So the Chinese have a saying that 
any Chinese person that dares go out of China into the wild world is a fierce dragon. So, wow. so, so that's why, like, and Bruce is considered one of those because he grew up in Hong, Hong Kong, Kong yeah. and went to America and became a star there. So Bruce Lee actually is the Manglong Guo Gong. That's how he himself was described by mm. other Chinese people. That's and, awesome. And yeah, so it's a very interesting title. But then he he gave the English Bruce's English title was Way of the Dragon, but the Chinese title was was something that you can't really use the fierce. The fierce dragon crosses the sea sounds kind of clunky in English, but in Chinese it's totally badass. And right, the right, sure, is yeah. But uh, that that is the Chinese title of it. You yeah. know, it's funny because you said that about um, the idea of the Chinese culture and the way to look at things. And I could be again thousand percent wrong here. I'm having a flashback of a memory of the ideogram or character for China. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like a, like like a box like with, with a line down lines the middle, are, yes. as if like they're the center of the world like that kind of yes thing? so um, because that's how it was taught to me yeah no you you told me so so China in in Chinese is Zhong Guang Guang means country Zhong means center so it means like the center kingdom the middle kingdom now I always thought it's because they kind of think that they're the center of the universe. I've been told by some Chinese scholars that it has to do with a number of different kingdoms throughout the, the development of China. And then it was the Han Chinese, the pure Chinese became the center of those kingdoms. Right. But I always feel like, nah, it's because Chinese think they're the center of the universe. <laughs> 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 but yeah, Zhong means center. So Zhong is like middle country. And by the way, center line in Wing Chun is Zhong Xin, same Zhong right. box with the line, just with the character uh, for line afterwards, but it's the same oh, Zhong, wow. like the yeah, Zhong yeah. from China, yeah. And Zhong can also mean middle, can mean medium, can mean a lot of things, yeah. Well, you know, that, that, that actually brings us to another topic that I want to talk to you about, since I know very little bit about your Wing Chun. Mm-hmm, so do I. Um, well, I've read that, but anyway. <laughs> um, okay, by the way, speaking about reading, Alex was um, nice enough to bring me his new book, and video. Um, yeah, martial arts movement. I was going to say videotape. <laughs> videotape cassette. The book alone is fucking awesome. And you guys know I don't even like Alex. I would not fucking give him props. What's the name of it again? It's called Martial Arts Movement for Wing Chun. This book, it's awesome. The photography, I mean, you got to look at pictures of Alex. But <laughs> it's, it's done spot on. It could not have been better. Thank I cannot you. wait to look at the video. I'm sure it'll be a whole bunch of shit that I can't do. <laughs> but, but the video is an hour and a half long, which is pretty pretty long for an instructional. Yeah. And I mean, really, it, it, it's it's like a video that comes with a book. Uh, so, yeah, right, right. Yeah, the so the book, the, like the, a, the book is the like book a the book is like a manual. Pump him into yeah, the yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what I, what I want to talk to you about, and we may have discussed this on an earlier podcast, but even if we did, I probably didn't listen to you. Yeah, um, <laughs> most likely. Centerline. Yes. You know, almost every teacher has a different in- interpretation of what centerline is. Yes. What the importance of centerline is. Uh, some families in Wing Chun, I know the TWC have um, different center and central. They're right. Yeah. They have different um, terminologies. What do you mind if I ask? Like, what, what, what do you, what do you do, as far as centerline, or what do you consider important about centerline in, in Wing Chun? Yeah, it, it's really funny that something as simple. <laughs> as center line still is 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 a topic for dispute among Wing Chun people because one would think like it's like a pretty straightforward thing 
you sometimes even hear the, the term center line used by non-Wing Chun people as just a generic, like, split you down the middle kind of line. Right. And, like, so you'll even, I even, like, heard my Bra- Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach say, like, yeah, it's, like, center, like, like here's my center line. But he's not referencing Wing Chun or anything. Right, it's just, right, like, sure. a very common term. But <clears throat> as you know, within the very tribal world, even just of Yip Man Wing Chun, there's, like, disagreement as to what the actual center line is. Absolutely. So well, Maybe mo- I should tell you, why don't I give you what I do? Yes. Because mine will be the most generic. Because I've I've been told that what I call center line, other people refer to as center line fence. Uh huh. Okay. I never heard that before. Awesome. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what I refer to as center line, if so, Alex and I are sitting next to each other, <clears throat> but both angling towards a microphone. So people talk about this surface center line, and I was not never saw the importance of that. I always saw a center line of importance to me was if you took my dead center core and your dead center core and took a line from my dead center core to your dead center core, that that's the center line. Mm -hmm. That if you control that, Mm -hmm. that that's where the shit's going to happen. That if I'm turned off, it doesn't mean I turn my center line away from you. It's just I'm not not recovering my center line. Right, right. Now, I don't know, what would you refer to that line as? Or would you not... So, um, I'll, so in WT, we have a, a very specific kind of methodology of that. Okay. And um, Leung Teng, when he explained this to me, Siva Leung Teng, he's talked about it in his books, but I remember like late night, he says, you know, most Wing Chun people uh, define the center line like as kind of the axis of a globe you know right, the line sure, that goes right. through the top of your right. head all mm-hmm. the way out the bottom right right and if you imagine this is like kind of a center axis that's the center line like the plumb line of the yeah body. like a plumb line or, yeah and, and he says and when he first learned from Lang Sang that was also his definition of the center line right. which is kind of the maybe the most commonly accepted one right and he says when he uh Took, started learning privately from Yip Man because he was already an instructor before he started learning from Yip Man. The reason he learned from Yip Man is very political and yeah. very politicized at the time. But he says that Yip Man had one problem is that he, he wasn't always very good at explaining. Yeah, <laughs> he had multiple problems. But <laughs> one of them is he wasn't very good at explaining because most traditional Chinese sifus were not taught with a lot of explanation right. so they themselves don't explain a lot it's kind of more learned by doing mm-hmm. and and he asked Leung Teng he, he says uh, uh, so uh, what is the center line and then Leung Teng gave him the you know okay, this line that goes from the top of my head out the bottom and and he and said Yip Man just looked at him and shook his head <laughs> and, and then he took him in front of the wooden dummy and he had him set the stance and then he basically pointed from the center of his chest to the point right in between the wooden dummy arms. And he says, this straight line, that is the center line. And that was all the explanation he got. It was like, there you go, mic drop, I'm gonna go have some tea right now, right? <laughs> and then and then based on this, Leung Ting kind of, you know, created, uh, I mean, he says that he figured out this idea based on that, but of, but of course, you know, that's literally the amount of instruction that wow. they would get. So in, um, he said that Yip Man further said that what most students call the center line is actually called the noon line, which is m sin in Cantonese. M sin is like if you mention a sundial, yeah, yeah, the yeah. noon line, straight up and down. So they call this the noon line. And Yip Man was fond of saying uh, not to sutton, 
which is don't miss the noon line. So when you fight your opponent, you're trying to constantly attack the noon line. But he says, but the noon line is not the center line. So, so, so that then, so basically, this this axis that's in the center is very important for where you aim your strikes because, as you know, if if you hit somebody off to the yeah, side, they sure. can roll with it, they can turn. But if you hit them right in the middle, even if they're side on, you hit them right in the middle, they suffer the entire blow. So the noon line is where you direct your attacks, but the center line is the shortest straight line between you and your opponent, and that's where you put your hands on. So this was the explanation that he had that the, what he thought was the center line was actually the noon line. And so, and he said, because Yipman would often say, don't, sat means miss, mm, don't miss the noon line, that many students just assumed that he was meaning center line by that because he was not clear. Wow. So, and of course, this is what, you know, Leung Ting told me. So, you know, it's, it's... That makes perfect sense. And it kind of falls in line with like, what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, it's it's like people have different explanations, but somehow are expressing the same thing. Yeah, 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 I like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Could you imagine if Wing Chun people can actually get in a room and discuss shit instead of arguing? Unbelievable. You're a Moyat guy, I'm a Leung Ting guy, and oh, you... Oh, am I? <laughs> I'm gonna, no, the only reason I said that was to hang you out there, right? <laughs> am I? Am Sean I? is a Moyat guy. Hey, he claimed he's a Moyat guy. How dare he? How dare... And he also does Jeet Kune Do. <laughs> Am I a Moyaka? <laughs> we have to check this shit out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, because the thing is that one can can discuss, look, in, in my lineage, it's explained this way, in your lineage, it's explained like that. And, and there's... When you explain your way of seeing it, I can see something in there that can maybe enhance how I think about it. But it doesn't mean I have to accept it or not accept it. Right. It just it just is, right? right, and, right, and, right. And, and I think what a lot of Wing Chun, part of the reason why the discourse is so bad is because people feel that by explaining their own way of doing things, their job is to convince the other person. Instead right. of just converse about or have a discussion. Right, sure. You sure. know what I mean? The, the way, for example, uh, Jiu-Jitsu and Judo people can discuss different grips on the gi based on how they like to take somebody down without it having to be like, so you should do it the way I do it because right. that's how I do it. Right. <laughs> like there's a bunch of different ways of making filet mignon and I'll eat all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, for you vegans, that means like you can make a different way. Like you can make your lettuce salad like in a different way maybe. I'm sorry. That's right. Your, ve- your vegetarian burger, whatever, scraped off the, <laughs> off the grill and then they just put it in a potato and call it a burger. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right, good. So, because, you know, that's one of the things that you'll hear, like, a lot. There's a lot of discussion about that, and it just seems to be, like, so many people are dogmatic. It just, you know, like, uh, they're dogmatic about it, you know? Yes, like, yes, um, yes, yes. And, and, I, and, and I think that's one of the, and it's not just Wing Chun. It's, it's, it's in everything. Sure. <laughs> but the dogma, the dogmatic way of looking at this information really is a turnoff for me in a lot of ways yeah. you know like yeah. um like I, I find it to be off-putting it's well i think it's because every especially with traditional martial arts and and certainly wing chun it's that um it's quasi-religious you're following right. the sivu your sivu mm-hmm. says it should be done this way and then of course it's always packed together with well you know the reason why we do it like this is because either our sivu or sigong is the only person that actually learned so and so correctly 
Right. And other people didn't learn. So so it's always it's not just like this is our take on it. It's that this is these are the holy scrolls. And if you hear otherwise, it's wrong because they didn't learn it from so and so. So I always find like what very traditional sifus do is they try to inoculate their um, explanations from outside criticism by telling their students that if you hear anything otherwise, it's wrong because they didn't really learn the real thing. Right. So that means that their students cannot well, look critically at anything. Like modify or something. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, yeah, ex and, and yeah, and and certainly that is part of the problem. It's like no. You don't do classical Wing Chun, you do modern Wing Chun. You don't do traditional Wing Chun, you do modified stuff. And these are distinctions that never really existed before. Right. They're distinctions that are used to silently or indirectly put down another way of doing it so that their students will automatically not be interested in another take. Like, uh, last, last week that I talked about um, that visitor I had, who uh, I'm not sure if I talked about it, um, so I, I had a visitor come to my school and he was from the Wong Sun Leung line. Did I, did I mention yeah, that last yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, And, and so like, and I thought it was strange that he, like he came from a, a very prestigious Wong Sun Leung school and he, um, is, he told me that he is a, uh, indoor student or inner or closed door student of this, uh, Wong Sun Leung line. Right. Mm -hmm. And now he's moving to New York or he already moved to New York. And he wants to continue training, and, and he, it was recommended to him that he trains in my school. And I was like, well, you know I'm not a Wong Sun Leung guy. And he's like, oh, well, what lineage are you from? And I thought it was kind of weird that he's very particular about his style and who he learns from. And then somebody told him to learn with me, and sight unseen, he doesn't even know who I am. And he's like, well, it must be the same if somebody... He, he, he actually, I think he assumed that I was from the Wong Sun Leung line, because why would one of his classmates right. recommend that he learn right, from right, me if right. I was not? And when I told him that, he was like a little off-put, right? And I said, hey, you should go learn from my friend Sifu William Kwok. Sifu William Kwok is from the Wan Kam Leung line. Wan Kam Leung is from Wong Sun Leung. Right. Wan Kam Leung obviously changed his Wing Chun system from right. the original Wong Sun Leung one, but I find Wan Kam Leung systems already quite good. And I said, look, although Wan Kam Leung's system is different from the original Wong Chun Leung system for where it came from, it's probably still closer right. than what I do right, in right, terms right. of the details. And he looked at me, he's like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and, 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 and it was funny because I realized his Sifu probably told him like, oh, the Wan Kam Leung stuff is modified right, right, from right. what my Sifu did, even though they're from the same lineage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I realized the strongest vitriol that can exist it's like everyone's like, oh, Wing Chun politics are, are the worst, right? Well, actually, politics are bad everywhere. But the worst politics are always within the same family. Internal it's politics. Always, yeah. It's internal. It's like the worst WT Leung stuff comes from within the Leung camp. Right. I'm sure the most vicious Moyat stuff comes from within the Moyat camp. Right, right. And the right. most vicious Wong Chun Leung stuff is within the Wong Chun Leung right, camp. Every, everybody wants to be the one sucking on the tip. Exactly, just, exactly. So we were talking about center line. It just reminded me of that. Uh, there's a famous expression within the Moyat family mm -hmm. of um, Moyat talking about center line. I just yes. want to throw it out sure. there. Just to, it says, um, I obviously never met Moyat, so I didn't hear this directly from him. I heard it directly from my Sifu, Tom Kagan, who was a student of, of Moyat. And he said, Moyat said, if you are training centerline, you're training Wing Chun, no matter what you call it. And if you're not, 
then it's not Wing Chun, even if you call it that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Because you know it's about I mean? the principles and concepts, absolutely. Yeah, it just it makes a lot of sense. It's just, uh, it's, uh, you know, they said that to have Wing Chun, you need to have the horse and the center line. And that's, yeah, uh, it's, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and if you, if you understand this, then, then you're applying Wing Chun more than people who are following the shapes but without the idea right exactly right. they're missing yeah. the core you know right. Right. it's like it's like when i talk about people in jeet kune do who will watch some bruce lee movies read tao jeet kune do and bruce lee's fighting method and misinterpret some of bruce lee's philosophical sayings and then pretend online that they're jeet kune do students and they, they don't understand the core of jeet kune do they don't understand what it's about when you understand, when you understand the core of what Jeet Kune Do is about, then you could hear things like a punch is just a punch, and understand <coughs> that in the grand scheme of things, it's not important. The tool that I use to hit you, right? You know that there's other important things going on here, and. Um, people need to learn this core yeah you know and they uh, again we've talked about that with Wing Chun a hundred times people that swap forms from other lineages absolutely that you know, while that may be an easier way of doing buji or something you're missing something it's it's pulling a piece out of sure it's pulling a piece out of the grand puzzle yeah you know it's like I always say like I, I, I tell people that they should learn a, I have my advice to people learn a complete lineage yeah learn yes <clears throat> learn a complete system and then if you want to pick and choose and do whatever have fun right. but at least you know you have <clears throat> the complete picture yeah of somebody I, I think that's absolutely vital because it, it's one thing like if you've done something for 10 15 20 years you really understand it very well and then you look at other things or other lineages or other ways of doing it you're looking at it with with an educated background as opposed to like people they they, they they like you said they take a pseudonym tell from this guy a chum cue from this right. guy a buji from this guy and they think that somehow that's like having an open mind but right. i look at that and i go that's having an undisciplined mind right because it's like they cannot follow a thought all the way through and i realize that this is not just a matter of wing chun this is also true in martial arts in general so for example Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is also now a martial art that has varying streams and ideologies within Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Right. Originally, when you look at the, the old Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, it was very much based on the model of a challenge fight. That, you know, the guy's coming at you with strikes, you have to close the gap clinch, clinch the person, take him down, and then submit the guy. But now, because of um, uh, grappling tournaments... There's an entire world of sport jiu-jitsu that has just been developed to such a high degree that it's really unbelievable. But it has, in that direct sense, very little to do with like defending a punch coming at you and clinching the guy and taking him down so much as it does about applying like the latest variations of leg locks and things like right, that, right? Right, right, right. And so I realized because, you know, I, I, I dabble a little bit in jiu-jitsu in my free time and I have had the chance to learn from two really in my opinion really fantastic streams of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu one is from the Valenti brothers in Miami which is 
based on you know the old school Helio Gracie jiu-jitsu, which is like, okay, your opponent's going to try to punch you and kick right, you, right, right. and you need to realize that jiu-jitsu is self-defense. And you have to learn how to defend punches and clinch and take the person mm-hmm. down. And you're not just going to start grappling. Right, right, the dude's right. going to try to kick you and you need to learn self-defense, right? And then I've also learned from when I coach here from Henzo Gracie. And, of course, they also deal with self-defense and fighting and all those kind of things. But it's a very sport-grappling-oriented class that I train with. And it's a very, very different philosophy, like and and I mean ultimately yes it's the same it's not that it's a very different but but it's it's like when you go to the two classes you would be following one strategy in one and in the other class you'd be dealing with a totally different strategy now if you were somebody that was like oh I'm going to mix these two strategies without having a thorough understanding of either one of them it's going to be a hot mess you know what I mean because right. for example in the Gracie Jiu Jitsu all of your grappling and stand-up is based on the idea that the guy can punch you. In sport grappling, the guy's not punching you, so you can worry more about different types of grips right. and how you hold and how you clinch. So if you understand both of those methodologies clearly, you can make assessments as to which things you like. But if you just go like, I like this guy's grip for this thing, but I like that throw. But that throw is for self-defense when you're punching. Right. That throw is for no gi. Right. But then they don't have that understanding. It's the same kind of thing like mixing and matching, right? So I, this is another great quote I got to throw at you. Uh-huh. Just because you brought up Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and like, there's different streams and stuff like that. I just saw this posted online not too long ago by Matt Thornton. Uh-huh. <clears throat> His teacher is Chris Howder. Uh-huh. Okay? Chris Howder had an awesome quote about guys that specialize in pulling guard. Uh-huh. This is just great. And forgive me, but this is just awesome. Guard pulling is like masturbation. We all do it, but if you're proud of it, you're a fucking sicko. <laughs> That's so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's fucking great. Yeah. That was fucking great. <laughs> I don't like. I remember reading that quote saying, I gotta write that shit down. <laughs> That's really funny. Because, I mean, how many times have you worked with a guy? in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and all they want to do is pull guard. It's yeah. just like, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, um, yeah, it's really interesting because I, having trained in, in both <laughs> methodologies, it's like, it's interesting the tactics are different and when, when you have a thorough understanding of both and why Gracie Jiu-Jitsu guys, like Helio Gracie style is going to focus a lot on self-defense and stand-up and strikes and, you know, other guys are going to do more sport-oriented. It's not a, uh, um, um, it, it, it's not saying anything bad about sport-oriented oh, stuff. Right, those no, guys, most of those guys can also fight too, and they do MMA yeah, sure, stuff yeah, as well. Yeah. But it's just, it's it's like, like for example, when I go to um, to more Gracie-style jiu-jitsu, it's like you clinch the guy the same way when you're wearing a gi, the same way you would clinch him if you weren't wearing a gi because you're worried about him punching you. Right, right, But right. when it's sport-oriented, you can go for judo grips because you're not worried about the guy punching sure, you, right? Sure, right? So it's just, it's right, funny right, right. because it's like you go for one tactic... I remember because um, I had been training with the Valentes and every clinch we did was the same as if it were no gi. You like hold the head and clinch because we're worried about strikes. And then when I was training with one of the guys from Henzo, I grabbed him like this and we were wearing the gi. He goes, that's a no gi clinch. He goes, wearing a gi, you go for the judo grips. Right, right, right. And it was funny because it took me a moment. I go like, oh, okay, all right, right. Like it was like, okay, yeah. good. And then I realized therein lies the danger for people 
who are undisciplined and don't really take the time to investigate that they're two different methodologies where they can be doing one thing, not understanding that actually this is for a different purpose. And even within Wing Chun, you, you, you have guys now that focus on internal Wing Chun, guys that focus on application, guys that just want to teach a museum piece of their Sifu and pass it on. And then so if you are mixing and matching these forms, it's very similar. You got one guy who's got a very combat oriented approach when he teaches everything. And then, then but you took the chum cue of the guy who's got an internal approach. Right. And you take the buji of the guy who's like some kind of like Wing Chun version of a Krav Maga self-defense freak. You know what I mean? Where it's all about eye gouges. Right? right. 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 And then so how does that come together into anything that's remotely cohesive? Right. Oh, I agree. You, you I know? agree. Yeah. When you when you when you pick and choose and patch together your own. Wing Chun system, you run the risk of missing out on important lessons. Like I, like in in the way I do Wing Chun, um, in the third form, part of the lessons of the third form is the idea of recovering from being coming out of balance on the shift with the elbows going up high. That 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 momentary feeling of being out of balance is part of the settling and you, you learn to settle and regain balance. People don't like that feeling. They feel like, oh, I feel out of balance when I do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that. So they'll switch to another form where the, the, the turn is not, you know, they, 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 I think in, in TWC, they only turn like, it's all 50 50. You know, yeah. But I was to say, like, they, don't, they don't shift all the way. They uh -huh. shift like to a, like a 45. Forward, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and you don't get that out of balance feeling. And I can understand that. It makes sense. But you also miss out on that lesson of learning how to recover. Right. And you also, the, con the context is not the same. Like, right. if you look at the Moyat system, there's a thread from Siunam Tao all the way to the knives. Right. And if you look at Wong Sun Leung system, same. Leung Ting system, same. William Chang system, same. And then. Those threads are maybe similar in parts, but they're not identical. Right. And by kind of mixing and matching, I always say it's kind of like, it's like trying to build a car, but you have like a Toyota chassis, right. truck rear tires, Porsche front tires, a Mazda muffler. And you're like, yeah, but these are the parts that I like. Yeah, but you have a jalopy outside that doesn't drive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Technically, they're all from the same type of vehicle, but you know. Yes, yes. So, um... Oh, here we go. Everybody was So here's our segments. <laughs> so uh, if you missed last week's podcast, <coughs> we uh, announced that um, we're going to add a couple of segments to the show. Um, and there'll be more. But this idea of making sure we're going to do something to do with fighting every week and and something to embarrass Big Sean by learning by learning some um, more Cantonese from Alex. So you you had said you wanted to do something about the fighting this week. Yeah. So so there's something in um, well I've only seen it in a couple lines. Oddly enough, I've really only seen it in two lines of Yip Man Wing Chun, namely the Moyet line and the Leung Teng line. <laughs> um, although I'm I'm pretty sure before we get any hate mail, I'm sure that there are other Yip Man derivatives that also have it as well. Um, which is something called the, the the leg dummy or the kicking dummy or ge chong, right? Or sometimes it's called sam, saying chong, tripodal dummy, uh, right. 
three-star dummy or whatever. <clears throat> and so uh, this is, you know, usually part of some kind of advanced training, footwork, kicking, using, and, and, and for those of you who've never heard of it before, it's basically, they're kind of like the posts, very similar to the post of a wooden dummy, maybe a little bit narrower, and they're placed in a triangular pattern. And you can stand in the middle and kick one, kick the other, stand on the outside, kick one, kick the other. And so um, it's kind of like a, a, a kicking dummy, right? And the, the post is maybe about waist high or something like that. And um, it's something that's kind of rare, uh, but a couple lines of the Yip Man system have it. And I was just kind of talking with Sean before, the, before we started the show today about, um, you know, whether there's an actual set or series or sequence for practicing that or if it's just a training method and what he knew about it and so right so again i'm not speaking for the moyat lineage and i can never speak for the moyat lineage i can tell you from what i learned that i did not learn a set form mm -hmm. for the kicking for the for the for the for the leg dummy for kicking the leg dummy, dummy whatever that i learned it more as an idea of a, a training methodology it was more for learning how to transfer energy upon impact, um, how to, you know, angles, turning, footwork in relation to your opponent. And, but mostly a lot to do with dealing with the um, impact, you know, absorbing the impact on, on a kick and, uh, and just taking different angles. But I didn't, you know, learn any set form. And, you know, just because we're talking about forms and dummies, <coughs> Interestingly enough, for me, when I first started learning from my Sifu the the Mukyang um, Jong form, which I know I probably said that wrong. Oh, certainly. But <laughs> dick. When I learned the Mukyang Jong form, You're perfect. Um, it was. I remember my Sifu saying to me, like, you know, once I learned it, that you only kind of learn the form to pass on the form. That after that, just kind of dissect each part. Right. As opposed to, you doing know, doing it in a linear set. Doing it in a linear set. Right. It just kind of. Anyway, I just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah, yeah, and I'm also yeah. I also feel the same way. It's like the I, I rarely do the dummy form from beginning to end, except maybe sometimes at the beginning of my advanced class to get the students kind of warmed up. But like in my own personal training, I'll go like, all right, I'm going to focus on like set six. I'm going to focus on the pole pie and work on that and do the form just that set. Do right. some variations, right? Um, because yeah, I mean the form is a codification. It, it's you need to like you need to dig those grooves deep, and you don't dig it just by doing the form once. Right. You gotta like take that one part and just do it again and again and again right. and get good at. It. In, in terms of the tripodal dummy, this has been something of a bit of a mystery in Leung Tang Wing Chun, and partially because Leung Tang has 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 a habit sometimes of kind of mystifying certain things, not always on purpose. He does it kind of to mess with the Europeans a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, as, as, as many people know, the biggest part of Leung Ting's kind of Wing Chun kingdom is in Europe, particularly in Germany. And in the 80s, he released a video called uh, Authentic Wing Chun, where he... It was the first video that released the footage of Yip Man doing the forms and okay. stuff. And then he, you know, he shows the, shows the wooden dummy and the pole and some things with the knives. And then he says, oh, in the advanced training in Wing Chun, we focus a lot on footwork because there's um, certain advanced footwork in the dummy. And he says, and, you know, some of the most advanced footwork is on the, like this tripodal dummy. And he's out like in a field somewhere in Hong Kong and he's, there's a kicking dummy. And he's, you know, kicks one, kicks the other, steps to the outside, yeah. kicks. And he's doing what, you know, 
you either look at it and go like, okay, he's either like freestyling it or you think, oh, maybe this is a form. Mm -hmm. And so it became a big mystery because he never taught it per se. Because, you know, spoiler alert, Yip Man didn't have one of these at the Wing Chun Athletic Association. Right, right, He didn't right. have one of the... I mean, how are you going to put this... It's not easy to put this thing indoors. You, you actually need to put it in yeah. the ground outside, right? So Hong Kong's a city. So for those of you who think that this is something that Grandmaster Yip Man had, he did not put it in the floor inside whatever building he was right. teaching in, right? And there are no photos of Yip Man or anybody using this thing while Yip Man was alive. Now, does that mean that it doesn't exist or it's not real? Absolutely not. But it's quite possible that Yip Man could have sat down next to a Moyat or a Leung Tang and said, hey, look, this thing, you could put this thing into the ground and you can train right. your kicks this way or whatever because it's just a training device to think like, is there a form for training the heavy bag? Is there a form for training the wall bag? Like a specific form? No, it's a device. But of course, this thing built up some kind of folklore, like, oh, after you learn the wooden dummy, there's this like additional advanced footwork form on the tripodal dummy. Right. And it became this like lark, this thing like, oh, did you learn it? Do you know the tri I can't tell you how many messages I get from Europe that they're like, did you learn the tripodal dummy from Sifu Langton? <laughs> and I'll tell you something. I was talking to him late night we were at a restaurant and he may have had a couple sakes which is oh, normally you know we were having sushi and he likes to drink sake i mean he's not an alcoholic by any stretch of imagination right, right, right. but he had a few sakes and what's always great is when he had a few sakes in him you can get him to talk and maybe tell you some embarrassing stories about this guy or that guy right and i asked him about the tripodal dummy <laughs> and he goes oh no this is just for practicing your kicking and you can do it this way. Or, and then he kind of showed me like with his fingers. He's like, you can do it this way or don't go like that or go like this or use that kick from the dumb. And he basically just showed like, look, it's like a heavy bag. Right, right, right. So you can kick this way. You can move this way. He goes, whatever. I go, but is there a form? And he just looked at me and he goes, no. He goes, just just sometimes I, 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 I joke with people, right? I joke with people to make them think there's one, right? And so... He did it in his book, Roots of Wing Chun. He has a, 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 a photo series where he's like standing like, like in, in, in the Wing Chun stance. And then he kicks the first one, kicks this one, kicks that one, <laughs> step crosses, kicks the other one, kicks this one. Here. And then the caption says, this is set one of the tripodal dummy <laughs> part, right? And apparently he put it in there just to mess with the Europeans. That's like, awesome. I guarantee you he wouldn't do the form the same way twice. Right. You know, it's funny. I remember on uh, one time there's a video of um, Grandmaster Moyat doing it. Yeah. And someone posted it on uh, on Facebook, and um, a mutual friend of ours, um, Sifu John Cuscioni. Oh yeah. Uh, posted, "Wow, Moyat does the T step." Uh huh. Which apparently is a, a step in traditional traditional Wing Chun. Yeah. And um, I I just said, "Oh, I guess so." <laughs> no, you know, right. I. I I said, yeah, I guess he does. He's doing it there. But um, that was the first time I actually ever, I had ever seen that video. Uh -huh. And um, I just thought... Yeah, it makes sense because <laughs> that, that style of footwork is from the dummy. It's the cross step. And 
it's it's actually it, most of the Yipman schools that teach it don't don't do it the way that uh, William Chang does it. He's got right. a different methodology behind it. But uh, there are there are schools, especially in, in kicking patterns when you're stepping behind, that you use the step yeah, to yeah, move yeah. around. And it's called Subtitou, which is the character ten step, because the Chinese character ten is a cross. Right, right, right. It's a cross step. But we also have uh, what they call a T step is in Chinese called Ding Ti Ma because it looks like the character which looks like a T, but in Chinese it's not a T. It's called Ding. It looks like a Ding. Okay. Right? <laughs> because <laughs> T is a, not a Chinese word. Right. And um, uh, that is the you know the pole stance where you stand on one, you know where yep, you have one. Yep. That's called Ding Ti Ma, which is essentially a T stance. And so. Um, it, it's uh, it's actually a pretty common thing, right? And I remember there was a student of Yipman. I'm not going to say who it was, but um, obviously he was Chinese because Yipman only had Chinese students, and had said something that the batam though the eight slashing knives is called that way because of the figure eight pattern that the knives use. <coughs> and I I thought, oh, 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 are you messing with somebody? Because first of all, the Chinese eight is not the Western eight. <laughs> so, so wh why would a Chinese form right, right, right. use the number eight, but it's based on a Western numeral eight when that's not the way they write it in Chinese? That's and if you look at the way they write it in Chinese, a Chinese eight is not really any pattern. There, there's some stances that say that it's like an eight pattern stance because it looks like the Chinese eight. But I go like, he literally said because it's of a figure eight motion. That's why it's called Ba Cham Do. And I go, but the Chinese eight is not the Western figure eight. Wow. I go, I, I literally thought, is that Chinese instructors messing with us? <laughs> like, that literally makes no sense. That's awesome. Yeah, totally crazy. And what is my... Uh, Your Cantonese, Cantonese phrase of the day. Well, interesting, because I, I mentioned the title of Way of the Dragon was Mang Nong Guo Gong, the fierce dragon crosses the sea, right? Right. And that... that uh, that, that term mang is actually in today's phrase and it's I'll, I'll say it and then I'll explain it and then I'll okay. have you try it so the, the phrase is mang kun da lo sifu <laughs> if you guys can see the look on Sean's face he literally just rolled his eyes like, <laughs> like, like he asked me so, to eat something yeah. so mang means wild or fierce so it's mang kun kun meaning fist it's mang the wild kun. fist right and what they mean by wild fist, sometimes it's translated as disorderly fist. Right. Like, you know, like somebody that has no martial arts training, punches sure. like all over the place, and that doesn't make them any easier to fight. Right. Oftentimes, it's the, the, the untrained punch that, can, that comes out of nowhere. Like the dude's got years of martial arts right, experience, right, right. and some wackadoo gives him a weird punch and hits him, right? And so it's mangkun, and that's the wild punch, the disorderly punch. Da say da to hit, say to kill. So da say literally means to kill with a punch. Lo sifu the old sifu. So it is literally the untrained punch that kills the old sifu. Right? Oh, very sweet. Yeah. So so but but the funny thing is, for in a martial arts context, we understand it as. You know, like, even somebody who's an expert right. can get totally cracked by, like, the wild, untrained punch. But actually, it's a common phrase in Chinese that has nothing to do with that. It means beginner's luck. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the beginner yeah. that just throws a crazy punch, like kind of shoots in the wind and knocks out the famous Sifu. That's cool. Yeah, so so it has kind of a double entendre yeah, 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 yeah. in that it, it's a very real... Anybody who's trained martial arts for any period of time knows that oftentimes beginners that have no martial arts experience, you sometimes will say, throw a punch at me, and they'll do something <laughs> crazy. It's like, whoa, whoa, like you really have to... You can't be on your C game when a beginner throws a punch at you. Right, sure. You have to actually be on your A game because they can throw something like you that's so wild and crazy you would never expect someone to throw it, but the beginner is going to throw right, it. Right, right. And you could get hit. And that's mangkun dasailosivu, but it means beginner's luck. So it's mangkun. Mangkun. Dasailosivu. Losivu. The old sifu, right? Mangkun dasay. Bosifu. Perfect. I've never heard it said better in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> if you went and said that in Chinatown, I don't know, they'd bring you back, I don't know, a chicken plate or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. So what's, what's going on with you the next... Uh, so Wednesday, uh, so today's Friday when we record the podcast. Uh, Wednesday, so probably around the time this podcast comes out, I will be on my way or in Hong Kong already. I'm going to be there for about two weeks. Going with about six or seven of my students, and um, you know, gonna give them the typical Hong Kong tour. Cool. Like a uh, very few can have, you know, hopefully hang out with people like Chan Chi Man, Roland right, Tong, right, and right, those right. guys there. We're going to Bali for three days. I'm gonna teach a seminar in Bali, which is amazing. Bringing Wing Chun to Indonesia is amazing because uh, it's relatively new there. Wing Chun never really came to Indonesia until the Yip Man movies, and now wow. it's really big over there. So it's kind of funny, like. <clears throat> it's it's like the pioneer time for Wing Chun in Indonesia yeah, training yeah. you there. So I, I'm happy to be part of that right. and hopefully help grow something good there before some hucksters come and destroy it. And so I'll be doing that uh, for a couple of weeks. I come back. I'm back for one week and then I'm off to Germany for two weeks. Wow. So in that one week when I'm back, we got to we'll do another podcast. Yeah, we'll record. sounds good. But this was a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun, man. All right, guys. Hope everybody had a good time tonight and uh, we'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. 
Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care and thank you for supporting the dudes of Kung Fu.